It's here. It's finally here. It's the debut podcast. It is the Team and Kid Phoenix versus podcast. It is the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That, it is the podcast that no one asked for. No one. But but you're getting it anyway. 2020 was an absolute dumpster fire of a shit show. So oh, we de- we decided to give you people something for your enjoyment to get 2021 kicked off the right way. We we talk about a bunch of nonsense all the time. Lots of nonsense. There's no reason other people should get paid to talk about nonsense and not <laughs> else. There's no reason we should not also be making a living talking bullshit 24-7. So that's what we're here for, folks. That's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're here for. We're not out here to make money, but I mean, if you know, if people want to come out and you know sponsor, then that's perfectly fine. Listen, come at me, mattress people. Listen, I just started a podcast. <laughs> Where's my mattress money? Where's my purple and Casper mattress money? Where's my check? Okay. <laughs> that voice is the voice of Teebs. I am Kid Phoenix. This is the Teebs and Kid Phoenix versus podcast. And um, all right, first of all, there's something we need to get out of the way right away. Oh, for Christ's sake. Uh, Teebs and Kid Phoenix. My name is Atiba Royster. So Teebs is just a nickname that I go by. Kid Phoenix is Adio's nom de plume. Wait, you're not writing anything. Why did I say nom de plume? What are you talking about? Well, mostly because you've got a Phoenix tattoo and you kind of built up this whole freaking uh, mythos about yourself and the Phoenix. No, 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 no. I no, I don't have just one tattoo of the Phoenix. You have a couple of Phoenix tattoos. I have three. I have one that you drew, my first yeah. tattoo. So, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for that. And then I have a larger tattoo on my back of the Aztec symbol of the Phoenix because one of my alma maters is San Diego State University. How many alma maters you got? Uh, San Diego State University, Community College of Philadelphia, technically LaSalle, I guess, even though I only went there for two semesters. But one of my favorite alma maters, and this leads into the subject of today's podcast, is the video library, which we were both employees of back in the, what, late 90s? No, the early 2000s. So the storied, the storied video library. The storied video library, I'm sorry, which became, yeah, later, yeah. A, which later became a bowling alley and then a ramen noodle place. Yeah, who knows what the hell it is now, but (laughs) it was a storied video store and we, um, on the, it was near the campus or just off campus of the University of Pennsylvania. So we'd get all kinds of academics and students as well as mofos. Just random mofos that just wanted to rent a movie, you know? Not, not like, and hardcore thugs. We covered the gambit at the video library. The whole gambit. Listen. Like, we did not discriminate. Listen, Blockbuster Video had a certain clientele, and the video library had a certain clientele. And I like to think that our clientele was better. Um, listen, I'm not getting into any, like... (laughs) I'm not getting into any ratings or talking about any elitism or anything like that. I'll just say that we had a select clientele. A very select, specific clientele. And that select clientele was looking for something specific. And in their search for specificity, we were happy to provide them our staff picks. Now, what our staff picks are... Is just, you know, you go to a video store, the chumps that work there, they put the movies that they like on the wall. Like, here's some movies. We like them. Maybe you should check them out or not. Who cares? Go to hell. And Sorry, not- I'm coming off super duper defensive right now. I'm just going to bring down a little bit. And it's not just, it wasn't just video stores. Like, that's like a concept you'll find in bookstores or, you know, comic yeah, book maybe- shops. Music stores, stores. record stores. It's just something that we've lost since everything has gone online. It's that it's that little human touch. Like here's a human also into the same thing that you're into, and here's what they're into, and maybe you want to check it out. Like I'm not I'm not straight up uploading my Netflix list. I'm not uploading my list of Netflix stuff to like a server somewhere and just be like, hey, this is what I've been watching on Netflix. You should check it out. 
and besides, I can't do that. I, there's weird stuff in there. There's like serial killer stuff and like you know weird, awful science fiction movies in there. Like, like you're gonna... you're trying to you're trying to avoid being picked up by the CIA. I don't want to get picked up by the CIA. I don't want to get picked up by the NSA. I don't want to be picked up by anybody with initials. <laughs> so real real quick, what are what are some of the things that were permanently in your staff base? Because I can't remember. I can't what were in yours permanent staff. I mean, isn't that what we're gonna talk about on the podcast? Or is this the current No, list? this no, this is different. This is different. So these are some of the movies that are permanently in that were permanently in my staff base at the video library right. way back when. Let's hear it. Some of them are not surprising to you as my brother. Die Hard. Of course. Ghostbusters. Did you have it in your staff base? Yes, I did. All right. Ghostbusters was in my staff base. I don't think you get the idea of what the staff picks are really for. It's like people are aware of Die Hard and Ghostbusters, okay? Yeah, but I feel like I need to remind these people how great these films are. This is a chance to bring something to light that maybe people don't know about. All right, well, I also had well, I also had Transformers, the animated Transformers. People people are aware of Transformers. Oh my god, my my rotating. And this is where we're going to, because I always have four solids, and then I had a rotating fit. I've had Bebe's kids in there. I've had I've had white men can't jump in there. I've had blue chips in there. I've had a lot of crap as as my fifth pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's more or less what this podcast is about. Like that that fifth pick, that hidden gem, that little nugget that I wanted to share with the world that nobody really knew about. All of my picks are hidden gems and nuggets, right? One of the things that's that was constantly in there is a movie called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover by uh, Peter Greenaway. It's a fine, fine thing. It's very arty, but it's also like horror and art and and romance and everything. It's 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 an it's an amazing movie. I love it. Also in there, The Third Man. Not to sound like a fucking film student, but it's an amazing movie. It's from 1930-something or other. Joseph Cotton, Orson Welles. It's great. You should watch it. Shout out to the homie Ira that we used to work with. Because if it wasn't Ira. for him, I wouldn't have watched The Third Man ever. But this is not a video library pod. This is the Teebs and Kid Phoenix pod. All right. So, so let's get into this. We picked out five movies. And uh, it could have been way longer. This list could have been way longer, but we limited it to five because F that. It's like, That's no. Right. <laughs> You're first? Okay, I defer. You can oh, go. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to jump. I'm going to get this off my chest right now because it's probably going to be the one that you're going to be pissed off at me the most for. First movie I'm going to mention is a little film from 1995. It's called Congo. And TV is already shaking his head. Okay. Is this is I've never seen you watch Congo. I never thought that you liked that movie. I never knew anything about you and Congo. I never saw you wearing a Congo t-shirt. I never saw you saying, you know what we should fucking watch right now? Congo. That's what I could you know what I'm in the mood for. Let's do some Congo. Never heard it happen. So I, I, I'm, on, I'm on a Zoom call with Ativa right now recording this. He has posters of aliens and Escape from New York and some, and some self-made art in the background there. I, um, I have had an apartment where I have had a theatrical poster of Congo. That actually, no, that definitely no, existed. That did not happen. That definitely existed. I'm not kidding. Is Congo a good movie? Absolutely not. I will 100% go on the record as stating that I... No, it is not a good movie. 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. But you know who appreciates a good film like this? Mr. Roger Ebert. That's right. Raj. Raj gave it three out of four stars and called it a splendid example of a, a genre no longer much in fashion, the jungle adventure story, which, as we all know, was perfected by Jumanji. The, the Robin Williams Jumanji, not, not Dwayne's Jumanji jungle i got problems with the phrase (laughs) jungle adventure okay okay what what issue do you have with that like are you gonna are you gonna try to draw some racial parallel with jungle adventure of course oh my god 
Michael Crichton. After Jurassic Park, I feel like every Hollywood studio was like, yo, can we adapt some more Crichton? Sphere was definitely way better, was a way better choice than Congo. The, the white guy telling a story about killer gorillas in the middle of Africa, also, it's not a good look. I understand all of this. Why do I like it? Bruce Campbell in the first 10 minutes. If you're watching a movie and you see Bruce Campbell in the first 10 minutes, you should know what to expect, all right? It's going to be campy. It's going to be B-level. But if you watch it with no expectations, you will enjoy yourself. I promise you will enjoy this movie if you go in knowing. If you listen to this podcast and say, listen, I'm going to give Congo a shot, having never watched it ever before. Adio said, go in it with no expectations. You will enjoy this friggin' film. Uh, okay, so I'm not commenting on your opinion <laughs> here. I'm just going to say... Uh, yeah, Congo is a movie that you can watch. <laughs> it is a movie. It is, in fact, a movie that was made in 1995. It also had some epic Tim Curry as Herkimer Hamolka. Definitely my third favorite. Do you remember character names? Of course I do. <laughs> He's, this is my third favorite Tim Curry performance behind Rocky Horror and Clue the Movie. There's Rocky Horror, there's Clue the Movie, and there's Congo for Tim Curry. That's that's me. Wow. That's wow. me. That is me. Um, Eat a dick, Legends fans. <laughs> hey, listen, ex- yes, that's fine. Some strong black excellence in this film. Some Ernie Hudson, some Delroy Lindo. Don't don't be eating Delroy Lindo sesame cake. Don't be eating it. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're talking about. What does sesame cake have to do with anything? Oh my God, you have to watch that movie then. Delroy, I really don't. <laughs> Delroy Lindo as the general of like an African army, a corrupt army, a corrupt African army general, by the way. Fantastic. Joey Pants is in this movie. Laura Linney is, it's her first real like feature role. This movie launched Laura Linney's career. I'm sorry, but it did. Because after this movie, she's in primal fear, opposite Richard Gere, for Christ's sake. And then the very next movie after that, a little movie called The Truman Show. Laura Linney went from Congo to starring next to Richard Gere to The Truman Show. You hear what I'm saying? Put some respect on Congo's name. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Are you done talking about your little monkey movie? Yes. Yes, I am. It is time for me to get into my first selection here. <laughs> there are a lot of movies that I like and there are movies that Adio and I like also like together. Like we're, there are movies that we really enjoy because we watch the hell out of. There is some, and, there is some lineup in those concentric circles, yes. So I... So the first movie on my list is Bachelor Party from 1984. 84. Oh my god. Starring Tom Hanks, Adrian Adrian Sved, Tony Catane, Wendy Jo Sperber. Wendy Jo, the legend legend. Amy Jo Sperber. That's right. Excuse me, Wendy Jo. Wendy Jo. Tom Hanks has done everything he can to get this movie buried. No, that's not true. But you don't see it anywhere. It's not on, it ain't on HBO. It ain't on Hulu. It ain't on Netflix. It's not on Sling. It's not on the Roku channel. It's nowhere. It's on Amazon Prime and you have to pay money to watch it. Um, It's the only Tom Hanks movie, I think, that nobody has like come in and tried to like, we need to stream this immediately. It is in the fine tradition of... 90s sex comedies, totally irreverent, immature sex comedies in the vein of Porky's or National Lampoon's uh, Animal House or some shit like that. Revenge of the Nerds to an extent. Revenge of the Nerds. There's a whole slew of movies. The thing about this movie is, I don't know, I guess I saw it at a time where it was just in the wheelhouse. It's got a lot of slapstick comedy along with like it's like the perfect balance of slapstick comedy and like raunchy like 
sex comedy. It just evokes a simpler time, you know. A, a, a very simple time. A simple, a time when like four guys could just throw a party, invite a bunch of hookers, have a good time. When a donkey with much could, with much cocaine and drugs. When a donkey could come to a party, just do a bunch of blow and just like have himself a good time. Oh, for is Christ's it, sake. All right. Is this movie problematic in 2021? There's oh my lot, God, yes. There's a lot of problems. If you if you watch this movie now, there's a lot of things that you would not maybe see in a movie today. But that's part of its charm, I think, and the charm of watching movies from the time that they're from. It's like, wow, look at how far we come. <laughs> Look at these assholes. But I think I like the movie a lot. I get a kick out of it. That's why it's on my list. It's Bachelor Party. I, I will say, I do get a kick out of Bachelor Party as well. And there are certain, like, Saturdays where I'm just, like, not doing anything or just folding laundry or doing something. I just need, like, I just need, like, an hour or something of white noise while I do this. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to throw in Bachelor Party. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to watch Tom Hanks in probably his most raunchy role ever. And he hasn't done anything like that since. Listen, all I've got to say is, of all the movies where a man, where men prank their wives by having a male stripper use his endowment on a plate of hot dogs... Of all the movies where that happens, this amazing. is the best one. This amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. We are gonna get so much we are gonna get so much shit for that. I know it's coming already. It's all right though. It's coming already. Step it's to fine. me though. It's fine. You know what? <laughs> I'll talk about why I like this movie and we can talk about it. Let's get back to something that's a little bit more, you know, kid friendly and not ex- entirely problematic. Although maybe it is, I don't know. Surf ninjas. I will admit, I will admit, the title of this movie alone will turn you off. I get it. Surf Ninjas, that sounds like something so impatented. That just sounds something that's just patently ridiculous. It wasn't, was it like a, a, a video? Was it straight to video or something like that? No, this was actually in theaters. It happened. I saw it. Was it. In, it was in theaters for three days. I saw it. And then with, it was out of theaters. I saw it with our cousin Stanley, by the way. That is who I saw it with, and awesome. I did. You can you can talk to Stanley and find this out yourself. But that definitely happened, and he walked out and he actually enjoyed the film. I don't know if he's seen it since. I kind of doubt it. This is Ernie Reyes Senior's only acting role. Prior to this, he was only the fight coordinator for a little film that is near and dear to both of our hearts, The Last Dragon. He was, I did not know that. Yes. He's the fight coordinator for The Last Dragon. His son, Ernie Reyes Jr., who is the who has who's the lead in this film, started as the martial arts stunt double in the original Ninja Turtles movie for Donatello, got an acting role in Ninja Turtles 2 as Kino. Here's the problem that I have with this movie, Surf Ninjas. Reyes Jr. was maybe 20 when he filmed this movie. I don't know if you've seen the film. But he's... no one, no, no one's seen it. It's okay. I am the only other person that has seen this movie, and I guess Stan now. But okay. that's it. We're okay. the only one. Here, here's my question. Break it down for people. Here's my question to you. You've seen the film personally. You've watched it. Yes, I have seen it. In the movie, Reyes Jr. is supposed to be in like high school. He's supposed to be like 15, 16 years old. There's no way that a 15-year-old kid looks that jacked without help. He doesn't, he looks, he's very skinny, so it's very easy for him to put on. No, he, he was not skinny at all he in that movie. Skinny. He was jacked to all hell. He's he fine. was, he's he fine. was doing the, he was doing the Barry Bonds treatment. Okay. Now, <laughs> now you are, you are really going off on my man, Ernie Reyes Jr. <laughs> um, 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 I'm pretty sure he was in a, uh, a TV series also. He might have been, but I just I just know that he wasn't in any movies prior to uh, the Ninja Turtles franchise. Yeah, he was in a TV series called uh, Sidekicks. 
Oh, sidekicks. Yeah. Not the not the Chuck Norris sidekicks movie. There was actually there was another no. there was a TV series. No. Rob Schneider with frosted tips. Do so, you not want to tell the people what the plot of this damn movie is? Does it really matter with a title named Surf Ninjas? All right, I think here, you have to break it down. Okay, here's the plot of Surf Ninjas. Basically, Ernie Reyes Jr. and his brother in the film, they are adopted children of a man in Southern California. And it turns out that their parents come from royalty of a little like island off the Philippines. So Ernie Reyes Sr was the top security guard for that royal family. The entire royal family is killed. The two sons, they get shipped off to California and they're just living there, not knowing anything what's going on, right? Next thing you know, Ernie Maria Sr. comes in and he's like, listen, you guys are royalty. You need to go back to this country called Patusan and you need to reclaim the throne, right? From this, from this evil colonel played by Leslie Nielsen. Leslie effing leslie goddamn nielsen the whole movie centers around like their journey retraining and like realizing their past their history and at different points of the movie silly things happen like all of a sudden ernie reyes jr remembers that he can do all kinds of karate and all kinds of cool stuff the little brother is like he, he can see in he can see into the future with with his game gear Shout out to Game Gear, by the way. The, the whole movie is it's ridiculous, but the fight scenes are actually pretty damn good for 1993. It's right in the Ninja Turtles 2 mold. So it's solid. It's an enjoyable, again, it's another one of those movies put on on Saturday and you just chill out and just, just hang. You just hang with the Reyes family. A lot of these are Saturday afternoon movies. Oh, uh, my, 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 next, my next few are definitely not. Now, I told you that I was holding back a little bit of info that I have discovered right oh, before the podcast. Oh, God. Do you know who the director of Surf Ninjas is? Um, it wasn't like director... Spielberg, right? No, it was not Spielberg, <laughs> asshole. Spielberg. Was it Senior? Was Are you it... kidding me? Was it Senior Spielbergo? No, it was not Spielberg. It was not Senior Spielbergo. It was Neil Israel. Do you know I, what else Neil Israel has directed? All right, what what else did Neil Israel do that that's likely that's likely pivotal to my adulthood? Another little movie called Bachelor Party. Get the hell out of here! That's true. Are you we serious? Just, yes. That just we just found this out today. Son of a bitch! Bachelor Party and Surf Ninjas, directed by the same guy. Shout out Neil Israel for being Neil on this Israel. list twice. Listen, Neil, if you're listening, call us up. We'll hit we'll, us we'll up on the podcast. Thank you. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk right. about how you went from Bachelor Party to Surf Ninjas. <laughs> Great stuff by Great you. stuff, Neil. All Shout right. out. So we go from Surf Ninjas and, and now, oh my God, I can only imagine. You started with Bachelor Party. Good gravy. I don't even know what the hell could be coming now. Next is another, like, look, I'm into deep cuts from well-known actors. <laughs> and uh, this movie is a deep cut for a lot of different actors. <laughs> Uh, I'm talking about uh, the movie Blind Date. Blind uh, Date. From 1987. 1987. It is a pre-Die Hard Bruce Willis. Kim Basinger before she blows up. It's John um, Larroquette. John Larroquette. William Daniels, the voice of, of Kit from Knight, Knight Rider. Yes. Who you'd probably be into. Directed by Blake Edwards of the Pink Panther thing, uh, fame. It's about a blind date that goes as bad as it possibly could go. Now, again, it's a tough <laughs> watch in 2021. Uh, kind of a tough very watch. Very tough. But it is very, I think, the right wheelhouse of stupid and, uh, and like, charming for me. There's a lot of stuff. in. Oh, Phil Hartman. Phil also. Hartman, also in this movie. 
it's basic it's like a view of 80s la that you don't get to see a lot of late 80s la so late 80s la i will say in this movie like it's properly represented as far as like how the the men kind of see the women especially when it comes to um bruce's best friend um i mean like, listen you that could be said about any dudes in in 1986 87 it's not just an right but I th- but here's the thing people I think people forget just how funny and charming Bruce Willis was before he was thought of as this action guy right and to see him stretching some comedy chops um the physical stuff like the deliver like he's he's a very good comedic actor and I think we lost out on maybe I don't know a different direction for his career not that I'm saying his career went bad I'm just saying it's interesting to see if he'd gone done stuff more like this, what we I mean, might think of him. He did um, do he did do moonlighting for four years, right? And like this movie came out in '87. He did moonlighting this during this happened in the middle of moonlighting, right? And, um, it, it kind of feels like he he's playing that moonlighting character in a ninety-minute film. Not quite, because his moonlighting character was cool and always in control. And this guy is like never in control. <laughs> Will I listen? I gotta, I gotta, I want to say something about Will Daniels in this movie as uh, the the father of John Larroquette's character. The last, I would say, twenty to thirty minutes of the film where it's Will Daniels just doing his thing. It's 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 some of the it's some of the best comedy I I think I've seen from him since Boy Meets World. I guess right. Yeah, if you want to see some Mr. Feeney energy. Yeah, high, there it is. high Feeney energy right there. Kim Basinger, was, was, that, was that kind of like your first exposure to Kim Basinger? Because it was kind, well, it was kind he, of mine. Not my first exposure because I snuck, well, I was sneaked in while my folks were watching Nine and a Half Weeks, but um, or I, I snuck a look at Nine and a Half Weeks. I think that's <laughs> pretty much everybody's exposure to Basinger. But again, she's showing off comedic chops in this movie that I didn't really know that she had. Actually, no, I'm incorrect. My first my first real exposure to Kim Basinger, because there's no way I would have saw this in 1987 when it first came out. Um, everybody's first exposure to Kim Basinger was most likely Batman. No, it was nine and a half weeks. She was there's a reason she's in Batman. And the reason she's in Batman is nine and a half weeks. So I've never seen nine and a half weeks though. Uh, it's an erotic, I don't know, adventure. Fan? I don't know what the hell to call that movie, but it's a fucking thing. You can watch it. <laughs> it's an effing thing that you can watch, much you like watch Surf, Mickey, much like Surf see, Ninjas. If you want to see Mickey Rourke in his full Mickey Rourkeness, you can watch fucking Nine and a Half Weeks. Oh, I'm totally but, down for that. Uh, give yeah, me all, give me Mickey Rourke throwing throwing a hundred miles an hour. That's fine. I don't know. How do you feel about seeing Mickey Rourke's ass? Not great. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of it. Not great. See a lot of that. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Pass. So we go to we go from one deep Bruce Willis cut, and we're going to go straight into another one. Last Boy Scout, underrated Bruce Willis film. I'm just I'm just going to say that now. It's a Shane Black screenplay, and Tony Scott is directing. I'm in 100% right there. Just give me, just here's my money. Give me a C. All right. Now, what's the plot? There's, there's a, there's a, there's a fucking football player. All right. Here's the, this is the plot of The Last Boy Scout. Bruce Willis is a disgraced former Secret Service agent of a California senator who becomes a private, Secret Service agent. who, (laughs) who becomes a private detective named Joe Hallenbeck. In the movie, there is the the push for legalized gambling by the owner of the fictitious L.A. Stallions. Damon Wayans plays quarterback Jimmy Dix, a disgraced NFL quarterback kicked out of the league for gambling. A lot of disgraced folks in this movie. A lot of disgraced folks in this movie. Next thing you know, Damon Wayans is in a, a, a relationship with Halle Berry, Halle Berry is trying to blackmail the owner that's trying to blackmail all the senators. Halle Berry's in this movie? Halle Berry's in this movie! 
fuck out of here. I'm not kidding. Halle, not, not, only, not only, not only is Halle Berry in this movie, but Halle Berry, spoiler alert, Halle, Halle Berry gets killed 30 minutes into the film. Totally forgot about that. So Halle Berry gets killed. Damon Wayans wants all kinds of revenge on her killers. Bruce Willis was protecting Halle Berry from these people that were trying to blackmail and like kill her and stuff like that. So Wayne's and Willis hook up and they just start running through LA trying to solve this crime of murder, blackmail, trying to stop legalized gambling from happening, which, which, you know, that just happened now. Anyway, it's, it's, it's crazy town. I love this film. Roger Ebert also loved this film. Get the hell out of here. Rod, there's no way Rod liked this movie. Three out of four stars again. Fucking Rod. Quote, unquote, a superb example of what it is. A glossy, skillful, cynical, smart, utterly corrupt, and vilely misogynistic action thriller. 100% agree with everything that Rod just said. It's a movie with, listen, Bruce Willis in the 90s, right? There's a lot of bullshit between Die Hard and Pulp Fiction. Look Who's Talking, Striking Distance, Color of Night. Like, this is not one of them. Also, shout out to Hudson Hawk, which is also really good, which all the most went on this list. Come on, you've seen this movie. I We've watched I've this movie. Last, I've seen The Last Boy Scout. We've quoted would... this movie together to each <laughs> other. I like the movie. I'm going to say you do kind of have to be into to Bruce Willis to really get it. Like you have to be you have to be a hardcore Bruce Willis head. Which I like. which which I was and still am to this day. But that's not the reason to watch this movie. The reason to watch this movie is the first scene. Is this where, where Billy, is is this where you go on is this where you do your Billy Blanks thing? Look, Billy Blanks, this is way before Tybo. Yes. He's, He's playing football, and he's got the ball, and he's running for the end zone. And right. there's defenders, there's defenders headed straight for him. This guy pulls out a gun. He pulls out a gat on the football field on the field and starts shooting people. <laughs> and then the 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 craziest thing about that scene. No flag. The refs are just standing there. Like, what the heck? Like, somebody, this is clearly not legal. This is what? clearly unsportsmanlike condo. Clearly. <laughs> also, when was this movie? This was 93. 93. I wonder if this was inspired by OJ. Just to put that All right. There. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's not cool. I'm sorry. Last Boy Scout is 91. Oh, then definitely was not inspired by OJ. It's way too early. Uh, did you know this film is an hour 45 minutes? That's fucking way too long. For <laughs> <laughs> okay, can can we talk about Damon Wayans for a second? Let's do it. After Eddie Murphy in the 80s, you like there was this there was this thing in Hollywood, maybe, maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't. The next black comedian that could do like the Eddie stuff, right? Right. Go from like variety TV or whatever straight to movies like seamlessly. Did that really pan out for Damon Wayans like at all? Or was it just like Hollywood tried to use the wrong guy? I think what happened was they were trying to make Damon Wayans and Eddie Murphy. And in in Living Color, Damon Wayans is yeah, absolutely I mean, phenomenal. I could see I could see why it makes sense. He had just done an amazing bit of stand-up he was just like killing it on in living color right i think the problem is yeah it's it's really hard to try to figure it out right because like after after um last boy scout his next two movies after that were mo money which is it's okay it's it's decent like it's watchable it's it's got him and it's got marlin but then the movie after that is my favorite Damon Wayans movie, which is Blank Man. See, I think that's probably what works better because they tried to throw him into like they tried to throw him into like a forty-eight hours kind of thing. Right. That's I. I think that's what the Last Boy Scout is. It's really trying to be a sort of forty-eight hours lethal weapon buddy cop situation, and it's uh, Wayans is just not that kind of performer. Like 
sorry, I'm going to have to get into a sports analogy. Okay, all and right. It's 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 something that I do, and I apologize if you don't understand sports analogies. I do I it too. Try, I will try my best to make this make sense. So the problem with Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis and Last Boy Scout, I think, is both of those guys need the ball, or both of those guys need to be the center of attention and they need to be the one that is doing everything and making everything work right put two of those guys in the same movie and it doesn't work right the reason why eddie's movies work is because everybody cleared out for eddie everybody cleared. it was iso it was eddie iso for for 90 minutes and the movies that you talked about like blank man they work because people are clearing out for damon wayans right the reason why um last boy scout didn't really take off or didn't really become it's because nobody's clear like bruce willis thinks it's a bruce willis movie and damon wayans thinks it's a damon wayans movie and nobody can figure out whose movie it is and then of course and then you know shout out to taylor negron folks come on look taylor negron as a villain is fucking amazing amazing it's just good stuff it's just Just good it works such a weird like even like in real life when taylor negron is just like being taylor negron he's a weasel i can't tell if he's like like just one of these people who i can't tell if you're fucking with me or you're really this much of an asshole or what is that all right so my number three look i realize i'm going to come off sounding like a total like asshole misogynist but it's not true i just look there's I will a, I will vouch for the fact that Teep is not that. Uh, he he has a he has a lovely wife that I that I'm very fond of. She's very fond of him for some odd reason that yeah, I've yet to figure yeah, out after all these years. Nice. Here's the thing: the next picture the next picture on my list is the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, a movie starring Andrew Dice Clay, Priscilla Presley, Gilbert Gottfried. Talk about it. <laughs> let's go a wayne newton wayne newton morris day (laughs) who else is in this goddamn piece of trash tone tone loke is in this film (laughs) lauren holly who's the villain you know who the villain is and robert england robert (laughs) england i don't know how rennie harlan pulled this off but damn it it's it's good it's Listen, so good. I'm, I love pulling, this movie. That's right. I'm I'm pulling you into this one because this is one of your favorites too. Now I love I love this film. I love this here's, film. And I'm not ashamed quick, to say. Okay, here's a quick synopsis. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay is Ford Fairlane, the rock and roll detective, and he's got a specific <laughs> clientele. He just handles cases for rock bands and people in the rock and roll industry. And basically, Newton and Morris Day in the film, right? So basically, there's a big plot involving this rocker that died, and three CDs, and it's like a uh, copyright a, scandal, a bootleg uh, music operation, um, and Ford gets embroiled in the middle of this whole mess. Uh, it's kind of no, never mind. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like double <laughs> indemnity, but it's not like it's not anything like it's that. not like that at all. It's not anything like that. The reason why I like this movie. Okay, I'm going to break it down. This movie came out in 1990? Uh, yeah, in or, in or around 90. Might, might have been 91. Either 90, 91. Teebs is either 15 or 16 years old. It is total, not wish fulfillment, but what's the other thing? It's totally aspirational <laughs> if you are a 16-year-old dude. If you're a 16-year-old dude, or have ever been a 16-year-old dude, or want to know how 16-year-old dudes think... In 1990. I still think it holds up. Just watch this. <laughs> is it misogynistic? Yes, but not as bad as you would yes. think it is. Not as bad as you'd think. It's not it's as bad as you would think, given who the star is. It is definitely not as bad as Andrew Dice Clay's stand-up. His stand-up would be a 10. This movie's around a three um i don't know if it's that low jesus it's pretty it's not really that bad but here's the thing it's fun it really uh, okay if you want to capture i don't think there's any other movie 
that really kind of captured that that late 80s early 90s hair metal bad boy rocker vibe like this like i mean i guess you could watch there is no guns and roses documentary but something like that i i, I guess the doors i don't know no the doors is capturing that late 60s early 70s energy there's no i'm sorry i'm sorry morrison i'm sorry there's no other movie that really captures that late 80s early 90s energy wait a minute like wasn't movie wasn't okay so the the name of the rocker that gets killed in the beginning um his his name is bobby black wasn't that played wasn't that played by axel rose it wasn't axel rose i think it might have been nikki six or someone else but it was not it was not Axel Rose. It was Vince um, Neal. Yeah, Vince. I'm sorry. I had I, I chose the wrong member of Motley Crue. <laughs> Pardon me. Listen, listen, the Mot. Listen, you don't want to angry. You don't want to act. You don't want to anger the Motley Crue. See what I did there? I, I see what you did there. Great work <laughs> by you. Um, also, another reason to like this movie is Adio and I happen to hail from Philadelphia. Yes. And we went to uh, a high school that kind of had all different types of people. And this clay character. Yeah, but it was very... yeah, but it, yeah, but it was only one gender. Let's just let's just point right, that out. Right. There was an all boys high school. All the all the testosterone was turned way up. Uh-huh. And there were dudes that kind of they they exuded, wanted to be him. They exuded this kind of machismo turned up to fucking 28 yeah (laughs) mostly the football players because we were both in the band for christ's sake right but i mean it's that it's like we were talking about this a little i was discussing this with the last boy scout once again script is high we we quote this movie a lot which is kind of which is kind of silly there was a time where like we still kind of do it where if we call each other, uh, one of us will answer the phone by saying the following phrase, hit pay dirt with K dirt. One of the things that goes, a recurring gag in that movie is everybody answers the phone like they're trying to win a radio contest. It's just a little something that we picked up. I'm not going to say this is a great movie. I'm not going to say this is a great, I, this, does this movie have a ton of problems in 19 and in, in 2021? It absolutely does. But yeah, no you, debating that at all. If you want to see a time capsule of what 89, 90, and 91, the thinking was with a, with a particular subset of dudes, you can watch this movie and get in their, in their mind space a little bit. Also, I don't mind Wayne Newton as a villain. I'm just going to say. Uh, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It kind of works. It's, it's not work. It's, it's, it's not great, but it works, kind of. Priscilla Presley, not great. This is Priscilla Presley, like trying to get away from like the naked gun kind of thing. Like, I don't know why you would go away from the naked gun to do this, but you know, whatever. If you want to see, listen, if you've heard of Andrew Dice Clay, you know who he is, right? You know who it is. And you know what if, it is. if you want, if you want to, if you want to see him more or less at his apex, right? Because this is this is one of two apex, movies he's yeah. done. It's one of two movies he's done. The other one is Brain Smasher. Brain Smasher. Actually, Brain Smasher is a lot more endearing. Yeah. Fort Fairlane is Andrew Dice Clay doing Andrew Dice Clay in a movie. Brain Smasher, not so much. Brain Smasher is... Dude, I, we have to talk about Brain Smasher at some point on this podcast. Yeah, because we just haven't watched it. Yeah, we just haven't watched it in so long. We don't really have thoughts behind no, it no, yet. No, no, I've got thoughts. I just can't fold them all into this yeah. time that we have here. So, yeah. Um, Lane, go watch it. Don't watch it. Give it I'm a shot. Saying, I, it's one of my favorites. So we're moving from the rock and roll world to my next pick, which involves the hip hop world. And that movie, friends, is the very first hip hop whodunit, Who's the Man, starring Dr. Dre, starring Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. If you ever watched Yo MTV Raps and said, yeah, I really wish someone would make a movie of this. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Dr. Dre, Ed Lover, Yo MTV Raps. Hip hop was really becoming like 
a national thing after, you know, the gangster rap thing with NWA and Ice-T and all those guys. Hip hop was becoming more mainstream, a little bit more accepted. So they said, let's just take these two guys on MTV that really seem to know their, they, they know their shit and uh, let's put them in a movie because they seem really personable on television. Let's put them in a movie for an hour and a half. It works. Okay, works is a little bit of a stretch. It's definitely a movie. It's Here's... definitely got some moments. And I think it's more just to see all these cameos. I mean, like, just... Uh, oh, my God. List. The incredible list of cameos. Okay, so Bushwick Bill is in this movie. The entire leaders of the new school. Buster Rhymes, all those guys. Salt and Pepper. Humpty. Naughty by Nature. Cypress Hill. Queen Latifah. Criss Cross. Guru. They're all making cameos in this film. And CL Smooth. Ad Rock is in this movie. Criss Cross. This movie is Yo MTV Raps on film with with a very loose plot. That's what it is. The synopsis is very simple. Dr. Dre and Ed Lover are, uh, I guess you call them, I guess you can call them drifters a little bit because they don't really have like a plan or anything. Mm-hmm. They're they're working at a barber shop. They're not real good barbers. They're doing all kinds of stupid stuff, people's haircuts. Next thing you know, the barber shop that they work at gets blown up by a developer that wants to buy a whole bunch of property in Harlem and build condos. So as a result, uh, the, the person that owned the shop, it's kind of like a father figure to them, before he died, gave him the uh, idea to, you know, join the police force, join the NYPD, uh, which also can, which contains one of the funniest lines and very, very relevant. You are police officers now. Being a police officer is about one thing. Who knows what that is? Ed Lover comes right in and is just like harassing black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... It, it's I, still pr- still pretty true to this day. The cameos, the the plot isn't strong, and at the end, for for some reason, they're the the developer is actually looking for like oil or something in Harlem of all places, What's which the, makes no sense. I don't remember him looking for oil. That's outrageous. He was buying a whole bunch of property because they were because you remember they were taking soil samples of all the like property that he was buying up. That's what, he's, that's what he's taking soil samples for. He's taking soil samples in Harlem looking for oil. This movie was actually my first real exposure to Harlem. I'd never seen Harlem before outside of like music videos and television. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, I haven't quite visited actual Harlem yet. I'm working on that. Again, Raj Ebert coming in strong for me. Three out of four stars Raj again. Not, like Raj, like Raj loved this movie. Get the hell out of here! I'm telling you, me and Raj have so many. We had we are on so many wavelengths. Me and Roger Ebert. What did Raj think of Ford Fairlane? By the by, uh, Raj gave it one star out of four. He called it loud, ugly, and mean spirited. Wow. Even I mean, Raj. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who's the man? It's also got, oh my God, can we talk about Dennis Leary in this film, please? Dennis Leary is good. He's probably the highlight of this film. He's 100% the highlight of this film. You can um, look him besides, up. Besides besides all the hip hop cameos, he's definitely the highlight. It is peak Dennis Leary. If you it like is that peak Dennis Leary if you like that, that style of angry Irish comedy. And yeah, yeah I there's, think, there's, there's, there's not much else positive I can say about who's the man. Like, there's not the, a whole lot of movies that really feature a lot of East Coast hip-hop acts. Yes. There's a ton of like Snoop Dogs and movies and Ice Cube and Ice-T and people like that. Not a lot of representation for the East Coast side. So this is one of the few movies that has it. So just for that, I think it's worth a lot. Like you, you never saw Puffy or Biggie in a movie in like the mid late nineties. Yeah. Uh, you've never seen Jay Z in a movie. You've never seen Nas in a movie. Like this, this as far as like East Coast rap representation in a movie, this is pretty much all we have as native East Coasters. Pretty much. I mean, it's kind of a shame. It kind of sucks, but you know, whatever. A shame, but you know. So here is 
the next pick for me. Oh, a movie God. called Heist from 2001, directed by David Mamet, starring Gene Hackman, Ricky Jay, Sam Rockwell, Danny DeVito, Rebecca Pigeon, and your boy Delroy Lindo. Delroy in the house. <laughs> it's basically about a team of thieves or a group of thieves that are trying to do one last job, uh, but something happens and people are backstabbed and people are trying to screw other people. It is very, <laughs> very, very stylized. And what I mean by that is, what I mean is that people do not talk or they do not speak in a naturalistic way, they speak very much in a way that is like, I am speaking dialogue right now. <laughs> if you can get into that, it's not it's not a knock, it's just his style. It's just the way David Mamet, when he directs any movies, he's like, every single line I wrote is gold and you will speak everyone correctly. Wait, he, he um, wrote and directed this, right? Yes. Um, so it's not necessarily... I mean, he also did Glengarry Glen Ross, and that is also... Oh, my God. He wrote Glengarry Glen Ross. He did not direct it. Right. Um, so quotability, the same way Glengarry Glen Ross is very quotable, this movie, Heist, was designed to be a movie quote injection and delivery system. <laughs> <laughs> Got so many quotes that I keep coming back to in my everyday life. I've only seen the movie maybe once. I will say that. It is not. I mean, the plot is very interesting. It's very well crafted. And again, the only thing that I think might hold it back for some of you is if you can't get over the stylized way that the that the um, lines are read and, and some of the um, play-ish or theatrical nature of the thing. But, but I mean, but I mean that that's Mamet. Like he started off as a playwright, didn't he? He, he is a playwright, and uh, that's his deal. Just here are a couple of quotes. Oh God, I can only imagine the gold that I have not been using on a daily basis for the last decade. In response to getting pulled over by the cop, Sam Rockwell says, um, "Is your motherfucker? Is he cool? Is he gonna be cool?" <laughs> and Ricky J says, "Listen." My motherfucker's so cool when he falls asleep, sheep count him. <laughs> what the hell? David Mamet actually wrote that line? Yes. Like that's something he put pen to paper on? Gene Hackman to Sam Rockwell's character. No, sorry, Sam Rockwell to Gene Hackman's character. I'm going to be as quiet as an ant pissing on cotton. <laughs> Gene Hackman, I don't want you as quiet as an ant pissing on cotton. I want you as quiet as an ant, not even fucking thinking about pissing on top. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. Uh, any any good Delroy lines? Basically, they're in the car, they're talking, and Delroy Lindo's like, what do you think about religion? And the other guy's like, I don't think much of it. And like, well, I don't know. I was in the army with this one guy, and he carried this little Bible everywhere that he went, and I didn't think much of it. That Bible stopped the bullet. Absolutely <laughs> stopped the bullet. And if he had had another Bible in front of his face, he would be alive today. <laughs> <laughs> My absolute favorite, the greatest, the greatest line, maybe in any movie ever. All right, settle down. The character's like, don't you want to hear my last words? And the other character says, I just did. Blam! <laughs> that's good. Incredible. That's good. All right. Number five. This is okay. the last one. Better All right. This is, my, this is my last make one. Make it good. This is my last one. And I'm going to make it good because it's because I feel like this, uh, this movie is so underrated. And more people should watch this movie. Dread. 2012. Not, not Sylvester Stallone's Just Dread. I'm talking about... Listen. Carl okay. Urban's Dread. Listen, I like this movie, but I will not have you shitting on the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread movie from No, I no, I I, I do will not do it. Do I not do it in my I, presence. I will continue to shit all over the Stallone Do not Judge do it. Dread. Don't do it. Why not? But you put respect on that freaking movie's name, okay? No, I I will not. Absolutely not. Dread is so much better than just dread. How dare you? 
it is. Listen, I'm not saying it's not better. I'm just saying that the, the Stallone one is not bad. Okay, okay. <sighs> not bad is going a little bit too far. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. Fun. It's the Rob Schneider effect, though. Like Rob Schneider in the mid '90s, like he makes any movie fun, right? Because he he has that comedic comic effect, you know. The the new Dread that came out in 2012, way more true to the comic, um, in terms of like what the world is supposed to be, how brutal the judges actually are, just the overall atmosphere of the comic itself. It feels way more accurate in this movie compared to the Judge Dread from 96. It, it, it flew very under the radar, which is a shame. I wish I had seen a, pan, a Comic-Con panel for this. It lost money at the box office, which is a shame because that's probably what cost it a sequel. Carl Urban is in this movie doing his doing his uh, doing his thing that he does in The Boys now. Uh, Lena oh, Headley's yeah, in Bradley. this movie. Yeah, Lena Headley's in this movie filming this and season three of Thrones. Like you've seen this movie, so like, is there is there some of Mama in Cersei Lannister, or is it the other way around? Is there some Cersei in the Mama character? Listen, I don't know which one it is. I just know that if I ever meet Lena Headley, I'm just going to be very respectful. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything untoward to give her any reason to be upset with me. That's all yeah. I know. Uh, Wood Harris is in this movie. Wood Harris. You're going to have to explain to people who Wood Harris is. They might not know. Okay, listen. All you need to know is if you've seen The Wire, you know who Wood Harris is. If you've never seen The Wire, fucking watch The Wire. Sick and tired of telling you people to watch The Wire. Like, I'm starting to get tired of it. Watch The Wire. This is another reason why I love, why I like this movie. I like the concentration of this film on one giant, you know, block, what they call it. Like, the, the mega block as opposed to doing like all around the city, right? It was mm-hmm. way more, way more contained, way more specific, way more concentrated, easier to follow. Cause it's basically Carl Urban's dread going into a one mega block structure that turns out to be a drug lab for Lena Headley's character. And she's just trying to take over the entire block. She owns the block basically. Um, the action scenes are very well done. If you look on the internet, if you go on YouTube and look up the railgun scene, it's fantastic. The the judge, the the lawgiver, way more way more serious as opposed to the comical nature of the old lawgiver, the one that Stallone used. Mm-hmm. The the special effects of the slow mo, which is the drug that's being produced at the mega block that Lena Headley is running, it's a combination of like stop motion and what they used in the Matrix. So that's that's really good. And a lot of the shots are well done. There's it's bright colors and they slow it all down and you feel like you're tripping and it's fucking phenomenal. Dread 2012. If you haven't seen this movie, check it out. Like I'm serious. Like you will have a greater appreciation for the dread comic i started buying i started buying dread cop comics after this movie i will say it is good it's definitely worth a watch but uh you should watch the stallone one too no no you shouldn't no don't no don't watch no watch the carl urban dread one that's the only that's the only dread movie that you have to watch that's it all right we're gonna get to my last pick right now I know it's going to seem like I'm going, look, clearly we have actors that we like. We like Bruce Willis. We like Delroy Lindo. I'm there's gonna go there's back. some wheelhouses. I'm going to go, I'm going to double dip here with my man, Gene Hackman. You're going to say the, the quick, French Connection, aren't you? The Quick and the Dead is a movie that people- Great movie! More. Great film! Like, I only like two Westerns. I like this one and I like Tombstone. Tombstone, that's it. This one is like just a, a quick synopsis. Um, Sharon Stone is the hero. She comes back to the town where her father was killed, which is now controlled by Gene Hackman, who's like this evil, well, not evil, I mean, yeah, I guess evil, uh, like gunslinger. Uh, uh, evil slash corrupt, I guess. 
he's not corrupt. He's just he runs the town basically with an iron fist. And it's his town. Yeah, it's not an iron fist. It's an adamantium fist, my guy. So basically every year they have a gunfighting tournament. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Gunfighting gun tournament, tournament. Where they get all the best gunfighters from all over the West to come to the town and shoot it out. Like, what more do you need to know? Gene uh, Hackman, Sharon Stone, gunfight tournament. You need more? How about Russell Crowe? How about, you want more? How about Lance Henriksen? Uh, how about how about Leo DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio. Directed by Sam, Sam Raimi. He of Evil Dead and, you know, Spider-Man fame. Like, listen, the reason why I love this movie so much is it boils down everything you want in a Western to, like, just the basest form. Yes. I just want gunfights, a lot of gunfights. I don't want anybody riding around through picturesque vistas. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. I want gunfights with colorful cast of characters and just, like, people getting revenge. That's what I want. And that's what this movie has lots of. Gary Sinise Great. also in this movie. Gary Sinise is in this movie for, like, a hot second. The gunfighting scenes are probably my favorite of any Western. If you like Sam Raimi camera work, and you oh my god, what would it be like if the guy that directed Evil Dead Two did a Western? Just watch this, and you will see what. Oh my god, it's fantastic! Like the the shot, the shot especially. Do not spoil. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, there's some, there's some shots that are just like worth seeing, and you're just like, holy shit, Sam Raimi. There's some, there's some amazing, just thoughts in this movie, <laughs> visually. I'm trying to think, how old was Leo when he did this movie? This was, pre- I don't know. He this was, was before, very, was this was before early. Titanic. This is before Titanic. It's like Gilbert Grape era. Leo. Yeah. Uh, this came out in '95. Yeah. I'm trying to think, was. This and Basketball Diaries around the same time? Yeah, Basketball Diaries are probably about the same time. Okay, so Leo was filming this and Basketball Diaries at the same time. Leo, you you king you for doing this. <laughs> uh, Russell Crowe, before he got all yoked for Gladiator. Um, I don't know if he got yoked. <laughs> uh, Gene, Gene Hackman doing his finest Geno stuff. Throwing... 100 just, miles just, an hour. Just, just throwing darts down the middle for strikes, Gene Hackman. You wouldn't think, like, and this is this is something we appreciate about movies a lot of times, especially when we're watching really bad ones. Not to say The Quick and the Dead is bad, but sometimes we just like a nice, crisp movie. Crisp. This movie is a crisp 108 minutes. Folks, you have 100... Listen, there are worse things to spend on an hour and a half okay quick and the dead is not one of them like you will enjoy this film this film all right so those those were our staff picks um i feel good about recommending mine i have no qualms with any of them i'm probably gonna get a lot of shit for congo but that's okay because you know what you know who's not giving me shit roger ebert because roger ebert is all in on congo Oh, uh, I can't wait to see what my inbox is going to look like. Uh, you can you can email Teeves at Teeves, Teeves and Kid Phoenix versus at gmail.com and tell him what a misogynistic prick he is because he's got Bachelor Party and Thank Ford you. Fairlane in his Listen, in his staff picks of recommendations. You rode hard for both of those movies, so don't be telling me that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not saying I'm on any kind of uh, high ground here because I will watch Bachelor Party and I will watch Ford Fairlane. I just didn't put them in my picks. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that is the debut podcast for the Tees and Kid Phoenix versus podcast, uh, episode one, season one. Damn, that was fun. And we're, we're gonna have we're gonna have a shit ton of content for you folks in the in the coming weeks, months. Uh, we got a lot of couple, we had a lot of good subjects coming up. Do we tease the next podcast, or are we just like you know what, f it, you'll find out what it is when it drops. I don't know what the next podcast is gonna be, so you know you'll find out what the next one is when it drops. <laughs>
if you want to reach out to us in uh, social media, you can do so. My Twitter handle is at Adob Royster. Uh, Teves is at Ativa K. You can also follow us on Twitter at Teves and Kid Phoenix Versus. Email us at Teves and Kid Phoenix Versus at gmail.com. We have Instagram. We have all kinds of links. Subscribe to the podcast. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Teves and Kid Phoenix, we are going to peace out for now, but we will be back for episode two, whatever that is. And uh, yeah, that's that's all. That's it. It's over. You're still here? We did it. We what did you still, it, guys. What are you what still, are you doing, still here? doing here? Bring in the music. Let's what are you go. still doing here? It's I over. Gotta go. Listen, the podcast go. is over. I've got to go watch Ford Fairlane again. <laughs> you know what? I'm probably I'll I'll go ahead and I'll watch Bachelor Party right now while you're watching right. Ford Fairlane. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>